It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about our guests can be found on our Facebook page. More information about the show as well. Visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We begin this morning with Marilyn Singer. She is the author of the book, Face Relations, 11 Stories About Seeing Beyond Color. Good morning, Marilyn. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to uh, be part of it. Now, why don't we start this morning with you giving us a little background information on yourself, because the book that we're going to talk about today, Face Relations, is not actually your first book. Give us some background on yourself. You mean in terms of writing? Well, oh, I've written quite a few books. I've written actually about 70 of them. And I think the first was published in 1976, if you can believe that. Um, I write for all ages except for adults. <laughs> I often tell people I have nothing to say to adults, but that's, that's sort of my own personal joke. Okay. Um, and uh, Face Relations is actually the third anthology for teens that I've edited. I kind of like challenging topics for teens. Um, Why is that? Well, I think those are the topics really worth discussing. Um, okay. That, that's one thing. And I, I also think that they, they grip people, they get people's attention. Um, and also, I find when I'm editing stories about hard topics, that makes me think about the topics more. And that's something that I really like to do. I, I, I genuinely like having to dig into myself and, and see how I feel about various things. So so that's good. And another thing is when you pick a, a, a topic that I consider a challenge, you have to look at each story carefully and say, does this story really fit the topic? Uh, does it fit the theme? Is it is it something I want to include in this book? Does it present something in a, in a fresh way, in a way that will make readers take notice, too. So that, so that's why I like those topics, I think. Okay, and in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer. She's the author of a new book called Face Relations, 11 Stories About Seeing Beyond Color. Now, let's talk about the book. Now, tell us how the concept for this book came together. Okay, well, I was thinking about this last night, and I'm, I'm going to start by telling you the, the, the non-altruistic <laughs> aspect of it, and then I'll tell you more about the, okay. the, the more altruistic thing. Um, when I, I don't write that many short stories. Uh, I find it a really difficult form to write, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever I do write one, I often think, well, is there an anthology that I could put together in which I could put my own story? So... <laughs> that's that's the more selfish aspect of this. What happened a number of years ago is that I read an article in the Village Voice about Sarki Bartman, the hot and tot Venus, um, the woman who was displayed pretty much like an animal uh, throughout 19th century Europe. And I was just appalled by the story, but also gripped by it. I couldn't get it out of my head. And it took years until I was able to write a story about that or using that um, in it, mm -hmm. and when I did, I thought, "Oh, what can I, what can I do with this?" And then I thought, "Well, it would really be interesting to do an anthology 
on race relations and put my story in it and find a whole bunch of other stories. So that's why I said it has something, there's a little bit of selfishness in that. But on the other hand, I am interested and have been interested in the topic of race relations for a long time, and I feel it is just one of the most important topics to be discussed. I think that it's just a a, a big wound in, in this country, and I think that uh, – it's something that we don't talk about enough. Uh, people shy away from it. I've, I've, you know, I, I've said that my book is not uh, about prejudice per se. I mean, prejudice obviously plays an important part in it. But it, I've heard people say things like, uh, oh, racism, racism doesn't exist anymore. And I thought, well, that's just mm-hmm. crazy. Um, on the other hand, I see some positive signs in terms of uh, race relations. So I wanted... To write a, uh, to put together a book that shows the positive, but also explores some of the the painful aspects at the same time. I didn't want a Pollyanna book, but I also didn't want a book that's just negative. Okay. Um, so those are some of the reasons that uh, I decided to do the book. How the book came together is that I. Uh, I, I, I bless the internet uh, and email because I think it would be very hard to do these anthologies with, without that. I sent out a, um, a solicitation letter to a bunch of authors whom I respect. The, these stories were all submitted by invitation only. And uh, from, those, from the submissions that I got, I selected the stories that um, I thought really were the best. And I had a, an in-house editor at Simon & Schuster, David Gale, who... And I ran everything by him, and he had an assistant who also was part of the selection process. And that's how we chose the stories. But it was, it was a very interesting process because, as I said, with every story, I had to say, does this fit the topic? I got some stories that were so negative mm-hmm. that there was no way I wanted to include them. I had In my letter, I had said, I want stories with a positive bent. Mm-hmm. I don't want Pollyanna stories, but I want positive bent. And yet I still got stories where, you know, just which were negative, so um, those I, I didn't use. And I had to find stories that were the appropriate uh, tone in terms of age. Mm-hmm. I wanted this to be for more mature teens, so anything that was more, you know, more middle grade, I, I decided I wouldn't use. And, you know, so there was a whole bunch of cri- uh, criteria that I used to select them, and, and I'm, I'm pleased with what I, I, I got. I okay. really am. All right, good, good. Now, in case, again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer. She's the author of the book Face Relations, 11 Stories About Seeing Beyond Color. Now, in the introduction of the book, you talk about how prejudice is often acquired. And as far as racist attitudes and teens, are these attitudes usually passed on from generation to generation? I guess, in other words, are parents teaching their children how to be racist? Well, I think that's a big part of it, but I also think that a lot of it isn't uh, overt and that parents aren't, a lot of parents, or most parents, I would think, are, don't deliberately teach their kids to be racist or prejudiced. Are you sure? Uh, well, no, I think that there are some who do. I, 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 I would know, agree I, with that. I'm convinced of that, but I also think that a lot of it is we're not even aware a lot of times, and I say we and that's, I'm, I'm talking largely about white people here in terms of race. I feel that racism is really a, a system of advantage based on race. That's different from, from prejudice, which I think we, we, all, we all participate in, in in one form or another, unfortunately. I think that um, there is so much that is shown on in the news, on in films, on TV, 
in commercials, in books that we're not even aware of that has stereotypical, prejudicial, racist attitudes. And we just don't even know that they're there. And I think that all of us pick up on that stuff. And then there's stuff that our peers say. So I think I think that prejudice and racism are acquired from different places, but I do think that parents certainly play a part in it. And um, I was reading uh, Beverly Tatum's book, Why, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria, which is really a great book. And she talks about prejudice in, in one part of that book and says that, you know, we we all tend to pass that along, but we're not necessarily to blame for all of that. Racism is somewhat different, as I said, because that's, I think, a codified system. But, I do, yeah, I do think we acquire some of it from our parents, quite a bit of it, and then we pass it along, which is unfortunate. Okay, we talked about parenting, but let's talk about some of the other factors that lead to the core of the problem of racism here in this country. Well, uh, I, I really do think the images that we see in, in pop culture Mm-hmm. And uh, even in in classical things, although I don't think those are having as much of, of a profound effect these days, uh, lead to attitudes. I was I was having a conversation one day with one of the authors in the book, Jess Mowry, uh, and we were talking about Michael Moore's uh, Bowling for Columbine. He has a whole thing in that in that film about Africanized bees. I don't know if you remember the film or saw the film, mm-hmm. but. That was that whole thing on killer bees, scaring everybody about killer bees coming. And a lot of the news reports use the term Africanized bees. And that, <laughs> I, I don't think the intent was necessarily prejudicial, but the effect was. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like, oh, those things that come from Africa, you know, they've got to be bad. That's just a tiny little example. I think things like that um, happen all the time. Characters in movies. The, there, was, there was a running joke, um, and I think I'm trying to remember. I think they used it in Ghostbusters, as a matter of fact, or that the that the black sidekick is the one who always dies in the in the movie, which isn't funny, but it's mm-hmm. just you know, it's absurd. and 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 that's stuff that's just there. There, are, it's not even commented on. It's just there, but it's things that that people pick up. And once again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer, author of the book. Face relations. Now, you've talked to teens, you work with teens, you've written several books for teens. How do teens deal with racism? I'm not sure teens deal with it that differently from adults, although I like to think that maybe they're a little bit more open, or we're a little bit more open when we're, when we're teens to, to talking about it, although I've heard uh, comments to the contrary, that people don't talk about it, that they get, they get uptight about talking about it. Um, I... I think that in the best situations, there are discussions, there is, there is dialogue about it. Some schools actually set up dialogue groups. Some schools discuss uh, these issues openly in class. Whether or not teens talk among themselves I, about it, I, I, I honestly don't know. My neighborhood, which is Park Slope, Brooklyn, is a great neighborhood. It's, it's from, by all accounts, it's different from a lot of other places in the country because it is really quite an interracial neighborhood and people tend to talk more here. And you could actually stop people on the street practically and have, have discussions and, and neighbors tend to know each other more. So that's, that's really good. But I've, 
heard that you know other areas of the country are not quite the same. I've traveled around the country a fair amount, and it's hard to know. I mean, I've been heartened to see uh, kids of different races playing together in cities where I wouldn't have expected that. But that may be my own prejudice. You know, mm-hmm. I may I may think that New York is the only place <laughs> where you can have you know good interracial relationships, and that's a provincial. Attitude, but I have I have seen that in in areas which surprised me in the country pleasantly. But then I hear about other places where things are extremely segregated and and people only mix in like on sports teams or something like that. So I I tend to think that teens do deal with it similarly to adults, but maybe are willing to talk about it a little more. On the other hand, there's a lot of pressure from peers on teens not to stand out, not to stick up for your beliefs. Um, so that can be a, a, a problematic factor. But I I do think, by, by various accounts, that things are changing somewhat and, and, and people are becoming more vocal and more willing to talk, and I hope that that's true. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer. She's the author of the book, Face Relations. Now, we've been talking all morning about the book, but let's talk more in depth about some of the stories that you feature in the book Um, The book, again, is about race and race relations. Um, Let's talk about some of those stories in the book. Okay. Um, Well, you and I have been talking just briefly uh, earlier, and and you mentioned uh, a story, The Heartbeat of the Soul of the World by Renee Saldana, and uh, that's a story in which uh, a boy has has died, a Latino boy, and the story is really about how music can unite people a community. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of pain in that story. The the character who died has come to realize that um, jazz, all different kinds of jazz, uh, music talks about suffering and and talks about uh, the depths of the soul really in, in the world. And the narrator is kind of a faceless narrator. He stands it he's a stand in for the whole community. And through his eyes or her eyes, actually, you don't even know, you get to see how music is this connecting force and how we all bear a certain amount of of weight and responsibility in the world. That's one of the stories. Um, Snow is a story by Sherry Winston, and that's a very interesting story uh, because the main character in that is a budding uh, African-American journalist, and she takes on the principal uh, in a fight against the mistreatment of Haitian students um, in the school. And uh, the principal is also African-American. So uh, one of my friends said, oh, this is, this is an airing dirty laundry story. And I said, yeah, but I felt very privileged to have read it as, as, as a, a white writer and editor myself because I felt as though it's clearing the air and and... I think that that when we clear the air, we all can get to another level. And so that story uh, certainly gripped me. And the stories in the book, the rest of the stories in the book, range from uh, the funny stories, such as Jess Mowry's Fat Acceptance, uh, in which the protagonist, Brandon, looks like a surfer dude, but he's, he's not, and he's experiencing his first day in a new school and feeling nervous about it and who should come into his life but the fattest black classmate he's ever seen and also a real white surfer dude with, who who seems to have been 
born with uh, no with no prejudice actually, and they kind of turn his day upside down in a very positive way, and that's a funny story. And then there are more serious uh, stories such as Kyoko Mori's Black and White, and which uh, Asako, her main character, is an outsider. She's uh, was born in Japan, but she's growing up in rural Wisconsin, and. Um, she learns that uh, being the misunderstood foreigner doesn't uh, exonerate her from a, a, an act of uh, Halloween vandalism. So, and then there's Naomi Shihab Nye's story um, in which a, a Palestinian boy and his family have moved to Texas, and um, they're they're getting along okay. And then comes September 11th, 2001, and that changes things. Um, and then there's my own story that I mentioned earlier, uh, Negress, which is. Uh, involved Sarki Bartman, the the hot and tot Venus, and um, two contemporary girls who uh, have to deal with, uh, well, all kinds of racial history and and uh, political change between the two of them. So those are just some of the stories in the book. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer. She's the author of a new book called. Face relations. Now, one thing that really struck me when you were talking about the process of how you put the book together, you said it was important for you to select stories with a positive spin. And I guess when most of us think about racism and prejudice, there's nothing positive about that. Why was it so important for you to select stories with a positive outcome? Well, I agree with you. There is nothing positive about racism, and there's nothing positive about prejudice. But I think there is something positive about race relations, and I or, and I, I like to think that we can move towards uh, even more positive uh, stuff, where we begin to talk to each other and understand each other and get insights into each other. Um, I think that. We're not at any stage where we can say, um, "Oh, you know, I, we're, I'm colorblind. You know, I don't, I don't see people's race." I think that that's, by and large, bogus. There, there may be some people like that, but you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I tend to believe that most people do notice. Um, but I do think that we can all talk about the issues that we can get along better, that we can examine what's going on. And I do think that we're seeing, um, certainly in, in my neighborhood, increased, uh, increasing interracial friendships, romances. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of mixed-race kids in my neighborhood. And I think that that is positive. And I wanted to put together a book where people can examine the 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 negative issues, but see some, you know, light at the end of the tunnel and, and see some hope about the positive. And also, I wanted people to be able to really talk about these stories. I've gotten a number of reviews on the book, and one of the gratifying things is that all of the reviews say that these stories are really worth talking about in the classroom. Yeah, and if we can get that, if we can get people talking about this in school, that's a real positive to me, so... And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Marilyn Singer. She's the author of the book, Face Relations. Now, what can parents do to promote diversity? I think parents have to, have to. I keep saying talk, but I think that that's really an important thing. I think people have to talk about things within their families. I think that parents can, to, to be frank, can put books like mine and lots of other people's in into their kids' hands. I think that parents can... Uh, 
discuss images that they see in, in, in films. I was talking about some of those disturbing uh, images that mm-hmm. we don't even realize are there or take for granted. I think parents should talk about these things with their kids. I mean, I've, some of the kids that I've talked to, it's very clear to me that they've discussed things with their parents. You know, from the way that they, they talk, I can see that these issues have come up and uh, they've, they've examined things. I think one of the best things parents can do is create an atmosphere of examination, self-examination, examination of our culture, uh, of our politics or our political situation. And I think parents can encourage their uh, kids to speak up more, to and to question things. You know, one of the things I find um, a lot of kids get nervous about is just to ask simple questions. Um, one of my friends who's 15 um, said that she's always asking questions and, she, and people will say, are you dumb? Don't you know, you know, don't you know what that is? And she'll say, no, I don't. And that's amazing. If you can get to the point where you say, no, I don't, I don't know, so, t- so tell me. Another thing that I think is, is important is that we're, we're, we can all say dumb things. You know, we can all come out with, mm-hmm. with dumb comments. And, you know, most people forgive dumb comments if they come from, a, from an open heart. You know, if you really want to learn something and you're not saying something because you're mean-spirited, you just may be ignorant about something and you're trying to learn. I think that if parents create an atmosphere where there's no shame in just trying to learn about something, that would go a long way towards towards helping, towards embracing diversity, um, towards really changing society, I think. Now, a portion of the book sales will go to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, that's a group that um, oh, I've known about for years. I've, I've given them money on and off for years when I've, when I've had the money to give. Um, they take on cases that uh, deal with prejudice and, and, and racism. They've taken on uh, the Klan, for example. Uh, they've defended people in court. And they also have um, a whole program called Teaching Tolerance, which you can see on, on, their, uh, on their website, www.splcenter.org. SPL Center is, is one word. And um, they come up with ideas for classes and for uh, individuals too as to how to learn tolerance really and, and how to uh, to change your community. There's um, The outreach director has a, a little letter at, at the beginning of, of my book and he talks about ask yourself two questions. What kind of community do you want to live in and what are you willing to do to make it a reality? All right, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to get a copy of the book, how can they do so? Um, they can go to the bookstore and ask that the bookstore carry it. They can get it online at Amazon, BNN, Powell's, any one of those. Or they could also order it directly from the publisher, which is Simon & Schuster. And again, my guest this morning was Marilyn Singer, author of the book Face Relations. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this.